Hallelujah. Praise God. We are so honored and thankful that all of you have come to spend this time with the brotherhood. And my, what a great God we serve who is for us and not against us. I have the privilege tonight to introduce our main speaker. We were tasked with selecting speakers for this conference months ago. And our group unanimously wanted Brother Whitley to be in this slot tonight. I love hearing Brother Whitley preach the gospel. This man has served in many capacities, a full-time evangelist, National Youth Secretary for the ALJC, Associate Pastor, First Apostolic Church, Knoxville. He is a writer, blogger, podcaster, putting out fiery content, but more importantly, he is a man of prayer. He's a great father, great husband, and he's coming to preach to us. Brother Whitley, please. Welcome, my friend. He's going to preach the Word of God. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Come on. Come on, brothers. Come on, won't you lift up your voice a little bit louder tonight? I know we've already had some worship, but somebody give him praise. Come on, men. Let there be something that gets inside of your spirit and this comes out of your lungs and your voice one more time this evening. Come on, somebody lift him up and thank him for the word we've already heard. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. God bless you wonderful men. What, a, what an honor it is to be with you here this evening. And let me first say, wow. What a word we just heard from Pastor James Chester. Could we give our ministry director a great big hand? We give him honor, and we love him. Not just honor, we love him. Thankful for his vision for, for men and this movement. God has anointed him for such a time as this to his team, Pastor Nate Batson, Pastor Reinhardt, Pastor McGee, and all the ministry team. Could we give them a great hand for putting this conference on? Doing this with great excellence, give honor to our general superintendent, the bishop of our organization, Bishop Kenneth Carpenter. Could we give him a great big hand? We honor and love you. Let's give this church another great big hand. This music, the production, thank you so much for leading us in worship. God is going to bless this great church. I want to take just one quick moment and say to all the men in my life, I give you honor. The Lord knew I needed all the help I could possibly get. And he put men of God who were respectable, holy, anointed, and wise. I give honor to my bishop, Bishop Billy McCool tonight, who's not here, to my pastor and my father-in-law, Pastor Mark McCool, to my brother, Pastor Anthony McCool, to a man who invested in me, Pastor John Voskis, who's investing in others across the world right now. 
to my pastor from back home, Pastor Tim Gill. He is my father in the faith, and he is ill this week and couldn't be here, but I know he is watching and praying, and I give him honor to Bishop M.L. Walls, Bishop Steve Wilson, to Pastor Darren May, and one of my closest and dearest friends, Josh Wilson. I give these men great honor tonight. I love them very much. I give them honor. God bless you, Darren. I love you, man. God bless you. And to the men of FAC Knoxville, I want to say I love you and honor you. All the men who are here from FAC Knoxville, I honor you. And to all the speakers we're looking forward to tomorrow, please be here tomorrow. Don't miss the panel tomorrow and the preaching from Pastor Traxel and Bishop Carpenter. If you have your Bibles, you can just stay seated if you'd like. I want you to go with me to to Proverbs chapter number nine. We're gonna read a portion of scripture here. I have wrestled, brothers. I have wrestled for months with this, with this message. And uh, I am very nervous and I feel quite uncomfortable in this moment. And I just pray the Lord would allow me to say what he has put in my spirit. And I say it with clarity to you tonight. Now listen, I know it's 9:10, and some of you were begging for more overtime last week in a football game. Can you, can you, can you handle some, some preaching for a little while? Now listen, you can watch six hours of football. Can you, can you, come on, you spent a bunch of money to come down here. Will you help me preach for a little while? Don't beg for more overtime and pray that your pastor will preach less. I'm already preaching. There goes my nervousness. There it's gone. Proverbs 9, beginning at verse number 1. Wisdom hath built her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beast. She hath mingled her wine. She hath also furnished her table. She hath sent forth her maidens. She crieth upon the highest places of the city. And this is what she says, whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, come, eat of my bread, drink of my wine, which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live, and go in the way of understanding. Now let's jump down to verse number 13, because we have the contrast of this initial. A foolish woman is clamorous, she is simple, and knoweth nothing. She sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. And as for him that wanteth understanding, she saith to him, look at the difference. Stolen waters are sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant, but he knoweth not that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of hell. Tonight I want to preach to you men, with your help and the help of the Lord, the banquets of death and life, the banquets of death and life. 
Would you put your Bibles down, your tablets, your devices, and would you let me pray for just one more moment? Father, 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 will you help us tonight? Will you help us one more time? These men have traveled here. They have invested their time and their resources, and I pray, Lord, that you would just speak something. Lord, let there be a spirit of revelation and understanding and illumination that the Word of God can only do, and the spirit mixed with faith would bring forth a harvest in these men's life. If it not be today, God, let it be tomorrow. Let it be next week. Let it be next year that the seeds of your Word would bring forth a great harvest. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen. Won't you clap your hands one more time tonight? Come on, would you clap your hands just a little bit loud? I want to hear some men. Come on, I want to hear some men. I want to hear a warrior right now. I want to hear a man who's desperate for a warrior. I want to hear a man who's desperate for some wisdom in this house. Oh, God. Oh, he's going to do it. You can be seated. The banquets of death and life. When people think of Proverbs, they often think of it as a storehouse of advice to navigate life. And that's true to an extent. Many of the Proverbs, though, are written from the vantage point of a father to his son. Multiple times from Proverbs chapter number one through chapter number nine. This is really the first unit of the entire book. This theme of my son is given. It's important to make note of this theme. The son is to take his father's, thank you, thank you, thank you. I need it, man. The son is to take his father's advice that he might mature into manhood. Containing inspired instruction, the father intends to prepare his son to face the challenges of life. For instance, he explains how a man should respond to wealth, work, and words. What he's to expect when faced with wicked and scheming people. Most importantly, how to fear the Lord and to keep him at the center of his life. Therefore, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are the introduction into the entire book. The, 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 the word son is used 60 times in Proverbs. The phrase, my son, is used 25 times in Proverbs, most of them found in chapters 1 through 9. Parents have a moral obligation to lead their children in the paths of godliness and wisdom. Dads, don't just teach your kids how to shoot a basketball, hit a golf, or catch a fish. Teach them the difference between wise and foolish living. Train them up to be worshipers. Train them up to be givers. Train them up to love truth. Train them to be faithful. Train them up. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he, I wish somebody was helping me right now, when he is old, he will not depart from it. Don't just train them to, to exercise their muscles, but train their hearts, minds, soul, and spirit. And just let me say, we are teaching our kids actively and passively. 
whether you are intentional or not, you are teaching. Your actions and your attitudes are teaching your children. Brothers, your children know what's important to you. They know what's important to you by your behavior and by your actions. If Proverbs was written from the vantage point of a father to a son, then we must realize its importance to our manhood. Oftentimes in churches, the only time we hear of Proverbs is on Mother's Day when a sermon is drafted from Proverbs 31. But I want you to know something. If you want a Proverbs 31 woman, you need to be a Proverbs 1 through 30 man. Don't ask God to give you a virtuous woman if you're lazy, angry, can't keep a job, immature, foolish, and frivolous with your money. The first 30 chapters are for you, and that's why it's more than just one, because we need all the help that we can get so we can have a virtuous woman. Someone say amen. Wisdom isn't about age. I know a lot of old fools. And I know a lot of young, wise men in our midst. Just because you have gray hair or no hair doesn't make you wise. The call of wisdom is for the young and the old. And if we're going to be the type of men God is calling us to be in a world that grows ever darker, then we must be men of wisdom. Someone say amen. amen. Along with this theme of the father writing to his son, he uses and he employs another theme, and that is the theme of the invitation. An invitation is a request of the presence or participation of someone to an event, place, or opportunity. And it, and it bubbles to the surface throughout Proverbs 1 and 9. The father warns his son that he's going to be invited to two things, wisdom and folly. The father, he, doesn't, he just doesn't present these two invitations in a black and white manner. Instead, he employs imagery that would stand out to a young man. The very opening chapter of Proverbs, chapter number one, we see the two invitations immediately. Proverbs 1 and 11, my son, if sinners entice thee, Consent thou not. If they say, come with us, let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. And we have the invitation of wisdom. Wisdom crieth without. Chapter number one, verses 20 through 23. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of the concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she uttereth her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make my, known, my words known unto you. Wisdom and folly are always inviting men. Chances are you had the invitation on the way here. You've even had it probably today before you walked in the doors of this beautiful church. And we see the invitation. He uses this theme in a way 
to make sure he, he, he allows his son to see that invitations are always enticing. Solomon personifies wisdom and folly as two women inviting guests to their banquets. In chapter 7, there's a prostitute inviting the simple young man. This is contrasted in chapter number 8 with the invitation of Lady Wisdom inviting all men to partake of wisdom's delights. This brings us to the climax of this unit in chapter 9 where wisdom invites people to her feast and folly in the form of a harlot invites the simple to her feast. I want you to notice here in chapter number 9 two hostesses, two invitations, two banquets, two groups of guests, two ways of life, two outcomes. It's the banquets of death and life. Wisdom and folly. First, in chapter 9, we have this invitation of wisdom. Lady wisdom or woman wisdom invites her guests. In Proverbs 1, 8, and 9, we see wisdom isn't hidden where no one can hear her invitation. Rather, wisdom has made her invitation in the most public of places where the people are gathered. But who is she appealing to? It says in chapter 1 and chapter 8 and chapter 9, it's the simple ones she calls out to. How long will you remain in your simplicity? In chapter 8, she calls out to men and the children of men. In chapter 9, she cries out for those who lack sense. In chapters 1 and chapter 8, she cries out for the scoffers and the fools to forsake their way. She's crying out for men. Wisdom is inviting men to her banquet. Wisdom isn't just for the wealthy, healthy, beautiful, smart, and privileged or educated. Wisdom is for whoever will pursue it. Wisdom is not particular about who will seek after wisdom, but any and all who want it can have it. Wisdom has built her house. In chapter 9, she has prepared her food mixed her wine, slaughtered the beast to be eaten, and set the tables. Her house is built on a firm foundation with seven pillars. Her banquet awaits her guests and will come and dine. These metaphors are used to give us the rich picture of life spent with wisdom. Wisdom is offering the best life can offer. It's a royal invitation to live a life of wise manhood. And can I tell you, wisdom's resources never run out. You will never plumb the depths of wisdom completely. There will always be eternal depths and heights and lengths to wisdom. Never stop looking for wisdom. Never stop pursuing after wise living. But can I tell you, you have to have an appetite for it. If you're going to come to the banquet of wisdom, you must have the appetite. Let me tell you about what you have to do to get the appetite to have wisdom. Number one, you must have the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is in fearing the Lord. Men need to live in awe of God's power and glory. But too many men fear what other men think. 
They're afraid to worship. They're afraid to pray. They're afraid to be holy. They're afraid of what other men think of them. But I want to tell you, that is foolishness. And if you're going to be a wise man, you're going to have to lay down your fear of others and become in awe of the presence of God. Oh, is he looking at me? What's he going to think about me? Can I tell you who cares? I'm in the presence of the Lord, and I'm going to lift up my hands. I'll lift up my voice. I'll shout. I'll run. I'll roll. I'll give. I'll be faithful. I'll be... I don't care what you think about me. I want to have the fear of the Lord. If you're going to be wise, you must fear the Lord and not fear your brother. We got too many men who, who stand and sit in our churches either, either on their hands or their hands are in their pockets. Well, I might think that I'm emotional or something. But then your team loses. And you got to get on Twitter and make a rant. But then you come to church and you sit there like a bump on a log while you're a preacher. Come on, we need a healthy fear of the Lord and our men who say, I don't care what you think about me. I want to lift up holy hands without, without fear of my brother making fun of me. And you don't need to fear what your wife thinks of you either. She wants you to worship. She wants you to lead your family in faith. Don't worry about your, what your kids think. Show them. Train them. I wish somebody would clap their hands right now who's not afraid to give the Lord some. Come on. Who's not afraid to lift up the name of the Lord on a Sunday or a Friday? I'm not afraid to come to prayer meeting. I'm not afraid to come to Wednesday night. I'm not afraid to tell my boss no on overtime. I got a fear of the Lord. And that's where wisdom begins. Jesus. Number two, to have an appetite for wisdom. You're going to have to desire it. James said, if any lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it. You know what God wants to give you right now? Wisdom. But we have not because we ask not. We're not afraid to ask for a raise. We're not afraid to ask for a promotion. But we're afraid to come down here and pray and ask God to help us have some wisdom to navigate a dark world. Brothers, we need to desire wise living. But the problem is we desire too many other things. We're so filled up with carnality and worldliness and politics and sports. We have no room for wisdom. Number three, have an appetite for wisdom. You have to be teachable. If you're going to be a wise man, then you have to be teachable. A know-it-all isn't wise. You know the one thing that a know-it-all doesn't know is that he doesn't know it all. 
And too many of us come to our church services acting like we know everything that's in this book and we sit back there and scroll through Instagram and ESPN. Can I tell you, you're going to have to be teachable if you're going to be wise. Pride and arrogance have to be dismissed if we're going to be teachable. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. You know who I am? Yeah, a fool. And you're cursed because you won't be teachable. I ain't going to let some man tell me what to do. But you'll let your manager or your boss or your supervisor tell you. But then a man of God who's prayed and fasted his guts out, get up and preach. You say, I ain't going to do all that. Brothers, we need to have a teachable. Come on, pastor. Teach it. Preach it. Come on. I got all the time in the world. It's Teach me, preach to me, pastor to me. Lord, reprove me. Number four, have an appetite for wisdom. You must have discipline. Someone has said God uses disciplined people. God will use the man who is disciplined, one who develops self-control, And self-denial. But he also must be willing to suffer reproof. The Lord disciplines those that he loves. And if you won't, submit yourself to discipline and reproof. You can't be teachable. You can't be wise. And you'll never grow. Can I tell you about the feast that wisdom has spread? If you're hungry, let me tell you what she'll give you. Chapter number three, long life. She'll give you riches. Oh, I want riches. Chapter number three also, honor. Chapter number three, verse number 17, peace. So what I'm telling you is what wisdom is offering at her banquet. In enduring wealth. That sounds pretty good. Oh, listen, guys, ears perked up as then. Riches and wealth? Yeah, invite me to that. Lord, just let me try. You know, we pray, Lord, ah, you know, I'd like to have a million dollars. Just let me try it. Lord, I promise you, if you will give me a million dollars, I'll tithe it. Just let me try. But you're making $10,000 every six months, and yet you still won't tithe. So don't tell God you'll tithe a million if you can't tithe on 10. Just let me try. He is. He's letting you try by being a steward over a little and so you can be a root. I wish somebody was hearing me right now. He's inviting us to wisdom right now. He's inviting us to the banquet of riches and blessings and long life. She's spreading out her table and here's righteousness. Here's blessing. Here's understanding. 
And it says there, and I got all these in my notes. I'll share them with you if you'd like them. Verse number, or chapter number 24, there's a destined future as they sing about earlier. That's what she is spreading out for her banquet. Godly wisdom, brothers and sisters, when we partake of wisdom, it nourishes us. It nourishes us with three things that I can find, at least three things that I can find in Proverbs. Number one, the knowledge of the holy. Chapter 2, verses 5 through 6, to give you a knowledge of him. You can have all, I'm afraid some of us are at the banquet and, and living on riches and blessings when really the, the, the feast of the meal is knowing him. We're settling for his hand when he wants to give us his heart and his mind. Woo! Jesus. Number two, God's hand of protection. If you want God's protection, come feast at the table of wisdom. Number three, eternal life. These are the three things that I could find at least that godly Wisdom nourishes us with. And so when we partake of the banquet of Lady Wisdom, we get life, we get blessing, and we get a destined future. But there's one more invitation. Because everybody, if there was just one invitation, would choose that one. But there's always a tree in the midst of God's provision, that he says, don't eat from this tree. Because there's always two invitations, the banquets of death and life. If there was only one choice, we would all make it, but there's two. And this is where we live as men. That we're always straddling the line from wisdom and foolishness. While Lady Wisdom honestly offers her guests life, woman folly deceitfully leads her simpletons into the pit of death. The reference to the strange woman is often viewed in religious terms as the solicitation to evil and folly. Folly's invitation is always seductive. The lips of foolishness are seductive and oh so sweet. Her words are so soft and smooth. But the sweetness never survives. It's always short-lived. Before long, she's gravel in your mouth and a pain in your gut and a wound in your heart. Lady Folly dances down the perfume path to death. Headed straight for hell and taking every foolish man with her. Solomon said this, as I stood at the window of my house, looking out through the shutters, watching the mindless crowd stroll by, I spotted a young man without any sense arriving at the corner of the street where Folly lived. Then turning up the path to her house, it was dusk. The evening coming on, the darkness thickening into the night. Just then, Folly. She'd been lying in wait for him, dressed to seduce him. Brazen and brash she was, restless and roaming, never at home, 
walking the streets, loitering in the markets, hanging out at every corner in town. Soon she has him eating out of her hand, bewitched by her honeyed speech. Before you know it, he's trotting behind her like a calf led to the butcher shop, like a stag lured into ambush and then shot with an arrow, like a bird flying into a net not knowing that its flying life is over. Brothers, folly is calling out. Folly's seductive and alluring speech is nothing more than a trap to maim and kill you. The banquet is not for you. The banquet is you. Her banquet table is spread with what she has stolen because stolen waters are sweet. You are her prey. She's not slaughtered anything because you are her prey. Lady Wisdom has slaughtered her beast and prepared it. Lady Folly says, you are the beast, but I've come to kill. The table is set for your life. She will come to steal not just the bread and water, but she's come to steal your reputation, steal your marriage. She'll steal your family. She'll steal your ministry then she'll steal your life. Let me just tell you what Folly's banquet is spread out with. Number one, laziness. I'll never commit adultery, but you can't keep a job either. Because you sleep in all day, play Xbox all day, scroll on Twitter all day. I'll never do this. But you sure won't do that. I'm too. The Bible calls him a sloth. So lazy he'll put his hand in the dish. And so lazy he won't even, ah, forget it. That's what Proverbs says. Let me tell you about another thing that Folly puts on her banquet table. And that's anger. Hot-tempered men are foolish men. I'll never, until your political party doesn't get voted in. Oh, I'm sorry. Was there something I said? I'll never, until my team loses. Then you break the TV. You throw the remote control. You break the dish. Throw a temper tantrum because dinner wasn't ready. That's at the table of foolishness. Adultery is at Folly's banquet table. It's the lustful eye constantly dwelling and thinking upon what you might do if you had an opportunity. What she would sacrifice if you just knew she would Text back. Let me tell you what else is at Folly's banquet table. Cheating others in business. Mm -hmm. 
not paying your bills. Well, it's still in Proverbs, by the way. <laughs> I haven't got to the Gospels yet. It's like, get that guy out of here. This is what folly, it will, it will seduce your pride, your arrogance, your bitterness, slander, gluttony, and rebellion. That's what Folly is putting on her table. She's saying, come on. Come on, big boy. What's, what's your delight? It's not adultery. Got a good marriage, but you won't pay your bills. Open up a new credit card. Pay off that credit card with that credit card. Oh, that's not, that's not you? Oh, maybe just fibbing, fibbing on the work times sheet. Prideful, come in to church and won't lift up your hands because you're afraid what people think of you. It's pride. But let me tell you, after you, you know, after you eat something, you, you know, you, you know that you shouldn't have ate it. You're like, man, that was good. And you're like, I just probably shouldn't have ate so much of it. Or had fourth and fifth portions. You have the after effects of what you've dined on. Now, can I tell you the after effects of dining at Folly's banquet table? Regret, judgment, shame, debt, reproach, and death. That is what you will feel. Can I, let, me just, let me go give you one, go back and give you one of these. Regret. This is the prayer of a man who ate at the banquet of Folly. Proverbs 5, 12 through 14, how I have hated instruction. And my heart despised reproof and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and the assembly. Let me read that last verse in the NIV. And I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Brothers, being unteachable will lead you down the path of foolishness. You'll try to justify your ignorant decisions and try to outreason people wiser than you, and you'll end up in a graveyard of regrets. Oh, how I have despised instruction. How I have hated reproof. Can I tell you, brothers, you better hear your pastor. You better hear your preacher. You better. It's going to save your soul. But let me tell you something. We have been given a weapon against falling. Proverbs 6, 23 and 24. For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil, flattering woman. You know what we've got? We've got a sword. We've got the word of God to help us, to teach us, and to instruct us in the ways of wisdom. What will keep you is the commandments and the law. 
Can I tell you, you're never too old for your pastor. You're never too wise for God's word. You're never too strong for scripture. Don't let the only time you see a Bible is when you open up your hotel dresser drawer. Get in the word of God. You want to know why you're losing? You want to know why you're defeated all the time? You're not taking up your sword. You're not taking up the word of God and fighting back. He has equipped us with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you want to fight for your family, get in the Word. If you want to fight for your righteousness, get in the Word. If you want to fight for your kids, come on. He has equipped us. Come on. You better have an answer. You better have an answer when folly invites you. When anger comes calling, you better have an answer. When lust hands you an invitation, you better have an answer. When immaturity invites you to remain a child, you better have an answer. When pride starts speaking to your flesh, you better have an answer. When rebellion invites you to forsake God's word in his church, you better have an answer. When laziness invites you to call in sick or sleep in, rather than go to the house of the Lord, you better have an answer. When the adulterous woman likes your picture and sends you a DM, you better have an answer. Better yet, you better have an answer before the invitation's ever given to you. You better have your no in your spirit. You better have a no in your spirit. I'm almost done, I promise. Foolishness has cast down many good men. Many men have taken the fire of anger into their bosom and been burned. Many men have walked upon hot coals of rebellion and ended up wounded. Many men have committed adultery and had their soul destroyed and their reproach has not and will not be removed. What the Bible says, brothers, don't go to the banquet of death. Let me ask you a question. Whose table are you sitting at? You need to take an invitation of the table you're sitting at right now. Are you surrounded with men who look as if they're growing spiritually? Or are you sitting at a table with men who are decaying with every bite of foolishness? Are you sitting with men who are leading their marriages and their families with faithfulness and integrity? Or are you sitting with men who sit at home, go fishing and hunting while their wives lead their marriages and family to church? You can sit there, thank you, you can be seated. Stop running, slow down, calm down. Are you sitting with men who live to be part of God's mission? Or are you dining at the table of apathy? I don't care, doesn't bother me nothing. Are you constantly dining at the banquet of entertainment, sports, lust, politics, and carnality? Or are you dining at the banquet of holiness, prayer, worship, faithfulness, and God's mission? Are you sitting with a table of people and men who are thriving or dying? You better look around and see who you're with. Because you show me your friends, you show me your associations, and I'll show you your end. 
Stand with me. Stand. Jesus, help me. One of the most prevalent metaphors found throughout the first nine chapters in Proverbs is a Hebrew word translated in the English as way, path, or road. This word occurs over 25 times in the discourses, and they're implied throughout this first nine chapters. The path is a rich metaphor for one's actions in life. It implies a current point of origin, where you are in life now, a destination where you're going. And the key transitional moments, like a fork in the road. In fact, to the sun, he stands as a fork. Two roads, two paths, two banquets, and two ends. And the father, my son, my son. Choose wisdom and forsake folly. He warns him, oh Jesus help me. He warns him there is a crooked way and a dark path. And that's where danger. In the ancient Near Eastern culture, to eat with someone was considered a deep form of an intimate relationship with that person. Wisdom wants a relationship with you. And folly wants to kill you. But the Bible says, in Proverbs, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways or the banquets of death. Brothers, we are living in a day that many things seemeth right. We need to avoid the seemeth right ways. Because there is a clear crystal path for the right way. The clear way isn't crooked or dark. The crooked path leads to crooked decision making and crooked living. In other words, it's foolish living and it leads to the banquet of death. What path will you take? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I hear the voice of a young prophet. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask 
for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk. I hear the voice of a poet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I found it interesting as I read today. The young man in Proverbs 7 was trapped by the adulterous woman. Look at Proverbs 7 and 9. Pull it up for me if you can, production team. Proverbs 7 and 9. He is trapped by the adulterous woman in the black, dark night. If you'll stay in the light of God's word, he'll keep you away from the temptress that's in the dark. I wish somebody would lift up their hands right now. Come on, there's a, there's a prophetic word in this house, right? There is light in the word. It'll lead in the ways of wisdom, and it will lead to protection. It'll lead to light. There is a banquet, brothers. I wonder there would be some man right now who would come and say, Lord, let me choose wisdom. Lord, let me choose life. Let me choose to feast and dine. Jesus said, come and dine. Come and dine. Come on. Maybe you've made some foolish decisions. You can turn it around. If you're here, come on, you can turn it around. If you're here, it's not over. You can turn it around. There's a path right before you that's clear, that's lit up, and it's the way of wisdom. But there's a dark way. There's a crooked way. There's a foolish way, men, brothers, Forsake it. Forsake the foolish way. Come on, we need some mature men. We need some wise men. And they say, when I became a man, I put away childish things. I put away foolish things. I forsook folly. That's what Paul said. We're going to have to make a decision. It's time to put away some laziness. It's time to put away some anger. It's time to put away lust. It's time to put away lying and cheating. I got to put it away. I'm becoming a man. I'm becoming a wise man. Come on, brothers, cry out right now. Desire it. Do you have an appetite for wisdom? Do you have an appetite? Do you have an insatiable appetite for wisdom? Cry out. Desire it. Call out for wisdom. She's your sister, he said. Call out for her. She's there. Wisdom is here. Come on, wisdom is here. She's crying out to you. If any of you lack wisdom, just pray and ask for it. He'll give it. The Father of lights, the Father of lights will illuminate the path to wisdom.
Come on. Come on, let him touch you. Let him touch you. Let him touch you. Let him touch you. Let him anoint you one more time. Let him inspire you and encourage you one more time. Come and dine at Wisdom's Banquet. Come and dine at Wisdom's Banquet. Come and dine. Wisdom. brothers come on men come on elder come on young man cry out for it cry out for it
raise our hands all across this place and thank God for the word that we have heard in this house tonight. Hallelujah. God, we're thankful, Lord, for the word, God, that we have heard in this place. Amen. Amen. We've heard truth tonight. The Bible speaks how truth should be spoken in love. And I believe that has been accomplished here this evening. Truth is just so powerful and sharp by itself, it must be spoken in love. That has taken place here tonight. I was thinking, and everything was said was just so tremendous. One aspect about men that uh, I appreciate, and that is they like to be challenged. And I believe we've been challenged here tonight. Feel like I've been in the ring, got the one-two punch, the haymaker, the uppercut. But uh, the way that men are, all of that happens. And as we exit the door, we'll look over at our neighbor and say, you know what? I think I'll show up tomorrow. I think I'm just going to show up tomorrow. And that's what we appreciate about them. Amen. And speaking of tomorrow, I'll just have just a few announcements before we depart from here uh, tonight. If you have loved what you have heard so far around here and what we are going to hear tomorrow, uh, please avail yourself out in the, the, the foyer. Uh, media packages and such are available for ordering and for getting, and you want to take this home. Uh, some of this you don't want to hear just once. You need to hear it over and over and over again, so we need to take this home. Also, uh, there are some places that are still yet, I believe, left open perhaps for your eating. I think they're going to appear magically on the screen uh, here tonight. Of all these choices that are still left, uh, I would urge you to go visit Gobel Grounds uh, this evening. Uh, they have homemade chicken noodle soup and barbecued pork plates uh, that are available there. Now, here's, here's what different about Global Grounds concerning of those that are there on the screen. Whenever you go and you purchase these items from Global Grounds, that money's not like just to uh, refurnish their stock or anything like that. Those monies are for world missionaries. Amen. All of those proceeds just pass through for that purpose and that intent. So please keep that in mind uh, this evening. And so Global, Global Grounds will be open this evening. Uh, they will also be open tomorrow morning beginning at 6.30. And breakfast and lunch tomorrow will be available there as well. So uh, get something to eat. Uh, did you tune in before service tonight to any of the Man of Honor podcast that was taking place live here at the church? Didn't you enjoy that? Well, that's going to be taking a place. Yeah. Wasn't that great? It's like our pregame. That's going to be taking a place again tomorrow morning starting at 8 a.m. And the doors then of this sanctuary also will be open tomorrow at 8. And we will begin and commence service at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. We have great things in store. Of course, we have our panel on mentoring your children tomorrow. And we're going to be hearing from Pastor Stephen Traxel and also from uh, Bishop Kenneth Carpenter. And going to have a great, great, great time. Amen. We want you to have fellowship. Have a good time. Amen. But let's come back tomorrow eager and ready once again just to pull up to the right table. Amen. And feed from the word of the Lord. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you in the morning.